This is the Energy Mon, and you are listening to your community spirit. Are you ready for the end of the world? I thought I'd play that because um, we want a little bit of sun out today. So, a solar power carol. Let's see. Are you ready for the end of the world? No? Well, good. Yep, I'm ready today. Well, (laughs) end of the world's upon us. Everything's frozen. Yeah, it's like... Um, this has been a very exciting week. I got to be snowed in, or my vehicle is still snowed in. I haven't even bothered to try to get it mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Um, it I probably nice out there with the dusting of snow. Yeah, on. dusting. <laughs> that's not a dusting. That's a tr- dump truck load of dirt. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, um, and yeah. In case you didn't know, it, global warming doesn't mean the world just warms up. It means, it means that everything becomes more extreme. Yeah. I hate the word global warming. I'm going to say it every time I mention global warming. Oh. My word is bipolar weather because oh. it's schizo weather. It always yeah. is to the extreme. Uh, anthropogenic global climate destabilization. <laughs> that makes no sense. Oh, <laughs> yes, it. Well, it makes so much it. sense that people don't want to. If you break it down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So this is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we have had an exciting week. And now we are going to get into another exciting week. A few happenings. Yes, we have for happenings, we have the uh, International Coffee Hour. International Coffee Hour will be held today uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. at the International Programs and Services Meeting Room at the Northwest Annex Wing B. You can come and relax and enjoy the International Coffee Hour. And then, today is Critical Mass, and I want to uh, thank Katie for sending out, um, well, just to let people know that this is happening. Um, what's kind of interesting about Critical Mass is there really is no organizer, but um, 
Basically, do you know what critical mass is? Yes, I do. Well, some people might not know. Critical mass is where people get together and ride their bicycles in a, well, in a mass to um, not only feel the power of being a actually being on the road because a lot of people are afraid to ride their bicycle on the road and it's actually illegal to ride your bike not on the road a bicycle has the same rights as a car and so um, one the purpose of the critical mass from what I understand serves two purposes one to let um, cars know that yes bicycles are supposed to be on the road and two to let people who ride bicycles feel empowered enough to act like they're a car like when you're riding your bicycle you have to act like you're a car um, otherwise you will be shoved off the road mm -hmm. so yeah. um, the last Friday of every month um, historically worldwide is the day that towns have critical mass starts at the student center at five o'clock and um, every week they decide a different route yeah. Today will be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm guessing today they will stick to main roads. Because <laughs> <laughs> the main, there are main roads clear in uh, Carbondale. There, there are also many side roads that are not clear. Yep. Or, you know, technically they may have been plowed once, and it's still kind of dicey. Yeah, well, even the, even the back roads, ha th they've, like, plowed it, but they haven't completely plowed it. Yeah. They've done like one scraping because underneath it was that nice layer of ice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just in the front of our house, I've helped probably four or five people get unstuck. And there was actually someone who broke down like right in front of the house. Mm -hmm. um, they spent about three hours yesterday replacing their starter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They First of all, they went and bought a shovel. And scraped, or they had a brand new shovel, one of the two, and scraped underneath the house. But I think my favorite story is someone who went and bought an ice scraper so mm. they could scrape off the ice so they could get in their car to get to their ice scraper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you have stories of fun and interesting um, tribulations with the snow? I'm sure you do. So, other happenings. Yes, other happenings. The Rice and Spice International Slow Food Dinner. This week's Rice and Spice International Slow Food Dinner will be cooking Chinese dumplings in honor of the Chinese New Year last Monday. This is at the Interfaith Center. It will begin at 6 p.m. Uh, tonight, and all are welcome. And, um, yeah, every week there's a different main cook and a different main cuisine. And the idea is, I mean, the idea of slow food is people actually get together and cook together and, of course, eat and clean together. But the whole thing is, although there's a main cook, we're actually all cooking together. So I really like that idea. Yes. So. <laughs> Cooperative cooking. Yeah. And, I mean, you always learn something new from someone else. I mean, I feel almost comfortable to make Thai food now. <laughs> like, I can make a dish. Watching uh, a few weeks ago, um, well, I guess it was about a month ago, um, Akina make Thai food. So, so let's see uh, other happenings. The Big Muddy IMC Film Festival, or I mean, not film festival. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming up too. So that's jumped into my head. I've been reading about that. 
But this is the Big Muddy IMC. Uh, they're having their free... Uh, <laughs> I'm not awake, am I? They don't call it the Free Film Fridays anymore. It's big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. And uh, this film is called Sir No Sir. Uh, now, I've, I've actually, I still haven't seen this film. I've seen clips of it. But uh, I've been meaning to see the whole thing because it's a really powerful movie. It's uh, Sir No Sir tells the long-suppressed story of the GI movement to end the war in Vietnam. This is the story of one of the most vibrant and widespread upheavals of the 1960s, one that had a profound impact on American society, yet has been virtually obliterated from the collective memory of that time. And in a lot of ways it has, because, you know, you always hear these stories about, like, you know, civilian activists out in the street doing protests, but you don't really hear much about, you know, people who were in the military having any sort of protest against it. You hear it occasionally, but... Isn't that the don't ask, don't tell policy? <laughs> That's what the don't ask, don't tell at the time was. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's uh, tonight at uh, 7 p.m. at 214 North Washington in Carbonate. And just because Obama got elected to office doesn't mean there's still not war. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've noticed there's a difference now. Like, when, uh, when Bush used to go blow up people they would be really angry and say, oh, Bush, you're evil, you need to stop that. And now when Obama blows up people, they say, this makes us sad, Obama, we thought you were better than this. Please stop blowing <laughs> up people. <laughs> so um, every Saturday since before the Iraq War started, there's been a vigil for peace at the Town Square Pavilion, so it will still continue as long as there is a war. Saturdays, noon at the Town Square Pavilion, a vigil for peace. They're remaining vigilant in that vigil. And I heard there's um, um, poetry on Monday, oh, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Well, we've heard about uh, Hangar 9 having uh, structural difficulties due to the snow. Um, uh, I had someone who was stuck in traffic right in front of there and tell me that I haven't actually seen it, but like half of it has fallen in. Yeah. Now, my, bar my goat barn down in Pomona fell in. Um, one of the structural beams cracked under the weight of all the ice and snow. So I know this is very possible. So hopefully by um, then they will have it fixed and up and running. But what is this actually? Yeah, this is a, they have a uh, open mic at the uh, uh, hangar on, uh, it's the, well, it's spoken word at the hangar. It's the first um, Monday of each month. And this next one is going to be on Monday, February 2nd from uh, 8.30 to 11.30. Monday is February already. Yes. Well, this Sunday is yeah, February. Sunday already. is the first day, which I remember well because of my payday. <laughs> <laughs> but then Monday, February 2nd, is uh, this, uh, the next open mic there. And they're 8.30 to 11.30. Um, and they're, because of Valentine's Day coming up, they're having the theme of, you know, poems related to Valentine's Day. Love poems, erotic poems, or it can be your I Hate Valentine's poem. Or, you know, it, it, you could be whatever ordinary poem you want. But right. there's, in general, a theme of Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. Day. There's an actual theme. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. a step. Um, do you have any other happenings? Um, let's see. It, well, it, the ball is coming up. <laughs> huh? The WDBX ball is coming up. Oh, yeah. Up. Well, I'm going to talk about this time for chocolate. Yeah, that comes first chronologically. So. Yeah. Um, next Friday... We will um, hopefully announce this again on the next show, but just in case, we want to make sure we mention chocolate. 
yeah. a time for chocolate, the ninth annual Taste of Chocolate to benefit the Women's Center. This is Friday, February 6th, next Friday at the Carbondale Civic Center. For ticket information, call 618-549-4807, extension 223. Now, this is their prime premier fundraising event. Yeah. Not only do you get to eat chocolate, taste chocolate, mingle with chocolate lovers of mm-hmm. all kinds, you get to support a very good organization, the Women's Center. Yeah, sounds delicious on both fronts. Yeah, so the ninth annual Taste of Chocolate to benefit the Women's Center. Um, ticket information, 618-549-4807, extension 223. Yeah. And then if you've been listening to DBX, you've probably heard the announcements for it, but... We've got to give a shout-out for the WDBX Ball coming up on on Valentine's Day itself, February 14th. Uh, that's a Saturday this year, so they managed to get it right on the day. Yeah, and uh, that's the premier fundraising event for WDBX. Yeah. And that is fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's I've decided, you know, <coughs> uh, <Excuse> <laughs> you know I've decided I'm going to go. Um, it's the theme is a midwinter's night dream, like a midsummer's night dream, and uh, it should be exciting. Uh going to go to that. I don't even think I've actually, uh, well, I, I have seen the play. Yeah. I've so I'll have to go uh, at probably as some type of monster, huh? <laughs> I've got to admit, I actually haven't seen the whole play. Huh? I, I'm uh, culturally deprived. Depraved. There's a movie, too. You <laughs> could go see the movie. Yeah. I mean, just rent the movie. you got two weeks to rent the movie, so get ideas to what you're going to yeah. go as. I've had snippets of it. Oh, I already know I'm going to go as Puck. He's one of the characters. He's like a, a mischievous fairy character huh. who's based on an actual mythological character there you go <laughs> so um that has been our slate of happenings if you would like something to happen please email it to us the happening guys the general email is info at your community spirit.org yes or you can email me at treesong at treesong.org and i guess maybe i should have kept it a secret but it, for people who know me it's probably not that hard to guess people who know the play people who know me That'd probably be a good guess. He's going to go as a mischievous fairy creature. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wild creature from the woods. Yep. That's me. Are you ready for the news? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Am I ready for the news? We no longer have somebody to make fun of, so we have to actually have some serious news. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're stimulated. The House passes a stimulus package with more than $100 billion in green spending. Without the support of a single Republican lawmaker, the House approved the $819 billion America Recovery and Reinvestment Act by a vote of 244 to 188. The package would allot more than $100 billion in direct spending for various green projects, including money for clean energy and efficiency programs, a smart grid weatherization of low and moderate income homes, retrofits on public buildings, public housing, clean water infrastructure, and environmental restoration. The measure contains $14.6 billion for public transportation, 
there's just a list of really good things that are in this. On top of these amounts, um, the Way and Means Committee added $20 billion in renewable energy and energy efficiency tax credits. The bill now moves to the Senate, which probably won't vote on a package until next week. Appropriators have been hashing out how they'll distribute the funds, and it's looking like Green Project won't it's fare as well in the Senate version, even though the Senator's package is $68 billion larger. Now we're talking about a package that's getting close to a trillion dollars. The Senate Appropriations Committee approved $365 billion in spending, and the Senate Finance Committee passed $522 billion in tax measures, which including incentives for renewables. There's only $8.4 billion for public transportation in the Senate package, which is even less than a previous draft of the bill called for. Quote, focus must remain on investing in newer, cleaner, more efficient technology and not wasting money on costly business-as-usual approaches like new coal plants or highways to nowhere. And that is news. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. In other news, we have a quote. Uh, we must take bold action now. On Capitol Hill, Gore urges quick action on climate. Former U.S. Vice President Al Gore pressed lawmakers Wednesday to back Barack Obama's, President Barack Obama's economic stimulus plan and quickly restrict U.S. output of greenhouse gases blamed for global warming. Quote, In order to repower our ec economy, restore American economic and moral leadership in the world, and regain control of our destiny, we must take bold action now. I say regain control of our destiny. Yes. <laughs> Our destiny has been spiraling out of control. But we're trying to regain control of it. He said this in testimony to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The Nobel laureate, who won an Oscar for his global warming book-turned-documentary An Inconvenient Truth, said Washington had to lead the world heading into global climate talks in Copenhagen in December. If Congress, quotes acts right away to pass Obama's stimulus plan and, quote, takes decisive action this year, to cap carbon emissions, the U.S. delegation to the Danish capital will enjoy, quote, renewed authority to lead the world in shaping a fair and effective treaty, said the former vice president, quote, and this treaty must be negotiated this year, not next year, this year, he warned in the written remarks, quote, a fair, effective, and balanced treaty will put in place the global architecture that will place the world, at long last and in the nick of time, on a path towards solving the climate crisis and securing the future of human civilization, he said, straight to the source, Agence France Presse. Now, it's sort of like waking up in bizarro world to hear this possibility of the U.S. taking leadership on climate issues. <laughs> I, I mean, it's still, we're still not quite there yet, but just the thought that it might happen, you know, it's like I've woken up in bizarro world and I don't know, I don't know what, if up is down and, you know, that sort of thing. All right. Now this is my little editorial. Falling gas prices. I guess everyone has noticed um, how much gas prices have fallen. Seems like only yesterday that every media outlet was screaming about that, what was it, $4 a gallon gas? Now that gas is back down, you know, $2 range, you don't hear much about it. And that's really a shame. Because lower gas prices create an opportunity for consumers. Back when gas prices were high, we adjusted our lifestyles. 
to handle the extra money that was going to go to the oil companies, of course. Mm. We drove... We did whatever we needed to do to solve the problem. But now, hey, the problem's gone. Mm. We can go back to our old ways of doing things. Solving problems is for chumps. <laughs> we can go back to our old ways of doing things. Or we can take the money that's not going into our gas tank and put it to better use. Got any ideas? If you go back to your old ways, there's a good chance, well, you'll waste the money. <coughs> right? On the other hand, you can continue with the changes that you made when gas prices were higher. If you're the average driver, you'll actually save almost $900 a year. Now, what are you going to do with that extra $70 a month? Well, I think your best option is probably pay off your credit card bill. Oh, yeah. But... Because then if you pay off your credit card bill, you'll have, like... If you count the interest, you'll have extra money that you can then spend on even more green stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, blowing it on a night of booze and partying. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully people haven't gone back to their old way of doing things. Um, I do know that I spent more on gas last year than ever before. So, another thing you can do to help the world. Have fries with that, or just the fries? Beef has 13 times more climate impact than chicken, 57 times more than potatoes. Scientific America reports, pound for pound, beef production generates greenhouse gases that contribute more than 13 times as much to global warming as the gases emitted from producing chicken. For potatoes, the multiplier is 57 times. Beef consumption is actually raising rapidly, both as population increases and as people eat more meat. Producing the annual beef diet of the average American emits as much greenhouse gas as a car driven more than 1,800 miles. For a good article on how one meat-loving environmentalist has changed his behavior, you can go online and see Mike Tidwell's The Low Carbon Diet. There's actually a, a I think there's a book called The Low Carbon Diet, and it's probably by the same guy. Uh, this report was created by ClimateProgress.org, a pre- project of the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Mm. And I know a few people that have actually gone vegetarian for the sole purpose of saving the planet. Um, besides the fact that it makes them feel better, they don't even care about that. They're just like, if I'm going to be an environmentalist, I have to not eat meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm leaving you this ad or this article because um, you know what it's about. <laughs> yeah. And you can use your porn voice. <laughs> yeah, well, this article, uh, actually someone mentioned this to me uh, online because they, they were talking about this online so we thought we'd mention it on the show. Sexy Super Bowl ad band. Lingerie clad vegetarians have better sex. <coughs> Is it lingerie clad vegetarians? Uh, I don't think the study shows that lingerie clad vegetarians. I think it's just vegetarians in general. Okay. But if you watch the ad, you might get a little confused. <laughs> uh, I have not watched the ad, but uh, I think you have. Oh yeah, I've watched the ad. How many times? I had to watch it two or three times to be sure I could review it critically. Oh, okay. Uh, NBC is declining to air a PETA pro-vegetarian commercial during the Super Bowl because it, quote, depicts a level of sexuality exceeding our standards. The ad's tagline claims uh, that, quote, studies show vegetarians have better sex. 
They claim it is backed up by the empirical evidence of lingerie-clad supermodels coming close with vegetables. <laughs> Some commenters accuse PETA of exploiting women. Now, they're having a big online discussion of this. Um, I can see... Now, they... NBC ruled it out because of sexuality in general. Now, the sexuality in general, I, I don't have a problem with. I don't think it's specific... I watched the video. I don't think it's specifically degrading. It's kind of silly, you know, women licking vegetables. But what, what, is, what is a problem about it, though, is that it is sexist and very clad women. <laughs> so it's a biased perspective on it. Right. And people are afraid. But that's kind of like, you know, it's, it's using women as objects to do so, and it's also sort of diminishing men's uh, sensibilities, like saying the only way to appeal to men is by having women with lingerie licking vegetables. That's not the only way to appeal, but that way. really helps. It does get your attention. Yeah, so if you're if you're a man who's attracted to women, if you haven't noticed, Peta has been doing a really good job of getting attention using scantily clad women. Oh yeah, well that's that's part of why it didn't the the, the ad didn't really phase me that much because some of their other ads I have actually found offensive. This one I found like a little silly, like you know racy in a way that I didn't find offensive. Uh -huh. Somewhat sexist because it only included women. But if they had met, if they had, had vegetarian men in there licking vegetables too, then that would have been fine, you know. Or what was the comment someone made? Like someone, you know, men taking a squash and you know, giving it to other men, you know, <laughs> ha having fun with squash with men. <laughs> so, but it was a very controversial ad. So it was banned for possibly not the right reasons, but it did create discussion that was important. Well, it seems like we are still very repressed sexually as a country. But yeah, we are. It's, we have a sort of, like, uh, the, the whole virgin horror dichotomy. We have the, a weird relationship with sex where we're obsessed with it and yet, you know, terrified of it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still really, like, actually pisses me off that the average person, by the time they're 18, can see thousands of murders on primetime TV but can't see, like, any nudity. Yeah, because, you know, my goodness, you know, like a decapitated head, that's fine, you know, but as someone naked, you know, like a naked breast or a naked That, that will genital. traumatize the kid. <laughs> yeah, like they've never seen a naked genital. They have to look down in the morning, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, final few things. Um, we got the green thumb and the angry polar bear. <laughs> The green thumb is, of course, something good, and the angry polar bear is, well, a polar bear <laughs> flicking you off because yeah. you did something bad. Yeah, you showed me in the photo here. The, the bear is actually, he's got a finger of his own that he's showing us. Yeah, <laughs> it's an actual, well, it's probably a Photoshop. Probably Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think bears have the ability to flick you yeah. off, but they They're probably think about it. They might be evolving in that direction as a survival mechanism. And so um, every week... There's going to be a green thumb and the angry polar bear. One thing good, one thing bad. So a green thumbs up to Barack Obama. Predictable? Sure. But we'd be lying if we said our cynical hearts weren't touched by the explicit references to climate change and renewable energy in his inaugural address. Now, results and actions matter a lot, Mr. President. We won't be shy about blasting your administration if climate change slips off your list of priorities because we're hard ass. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, and our, uh, this is a somewhat uh, somewhat cynical one. We award an angry polar bear to uh, the American public. Tuner survey suggests that American public doesn't care about the environment. 
You're, you're being so nice about it. Yes, I'm, I'm being I'm being diplomatic here. It says that they don't give a, a rat's patootie about <laughs> the environment. <laughs> you're still being nice. Yeah. According to the Pew Research Center, Americans think global warming ranks at the very bottom of a list of 20 national priorities, below even moral decline and the influence of lobbyists. Meanwhile, a Rasmussen survey shows a whopping 44% plurality of Americans don't think climate change is caused by human activities. In your defense, fellow Americans, the polar bear should really be flipping off the outgoing Bush-Cheney administration and their media mouthpieces, whose dissembling and equivocating on climate change for eight years probably did more to mislead Americans than anything else. And today we find out that at least one Bush-Cheney climate skeptic is trying to stick around in a high-level position at the National Science Foundation. Oh, will it ever end? Well, one way or the other it'll end. Either we'll stop climate change or human society will be destroyed eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So it'll end eventually, but... Here's something that shows that it might end. Out with the coal, in with the new. Last week, on the same day that Lisa Jackson was named as or as was approved as Obama's EPA administrator, the agency put a hold on approval of a new coal-fired power plant in South Dakota. The EPA said the timing was coincidence, but activists see it as significant. Quote, this is a signal that the Obama administration is taking a much harder look <laughs> at coal power from the, than the previous administration, said Daryl Gerber of the Clean Water Action. Hmm. So, this has been an exciting, informative, half hour of your community spirit hope to see you on the radio next week if you miss part of the show we actually archive it just so you'll have some reason to listen to us again on yourcommunityspirit.org throw a snowball Mm -hmm. do some sun tanning in the sun on the snow as you make a snow angel Yes, make snow angels, snowmen, snow creatures of all sorts like Calvin and Hobbes would do. <laughs>